Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Good morning. Welcome to the State of the Church Address. If you're new to our church, my name is Brent. I get the privilege of being your lead pastor, and today is a special day. It's literally one of the favorite days if you've been at our church for long. Most people love, love, love this day. Uh, we've been doing it now for years, and we get to celebrate what God has done in the past and where we're going in the future, and it's so much fun. Today is the day of two, 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 two things. One, it's family talk. So if you're a guest, I'm glad you're here. You're going to get to get insider information that most times uh, you wouldn't normally get. And so that's kind of fun. Uh, secondly, today is the day, at least in the beginning of this, that you should bang your hands together until they hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's early and everything just got jacked up because we only did one song and you're not even awake yet. And you didn't get enough coffee. But I'm telling you, we're going to celebrate some stuff. Today is the day to go, God, you are Awesome. And if you've ever praised God, this is that one Sunday of the year that you get to look back on what God has done and just give him so much praise. Are you with me? Yes. How about this? Why don't we start out with what's most important? That last year in our church in 2021, we had 577 decisions for Christ. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. That's an average of 1.5 per day. I love that. I love that. A little over 300 of those were in Sunday morning worship experiences. The rest of those come from outreach and things that our church is involved in. But I love that because I've always been one that says, uh, the book of Acts says they added, the Lord added to their number daily. And so I want at least one person every day making decisions for Christ through the ministry of our church. I love that. How about this? There were 72 people last year baptized in water in our church. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Going public with their faith. Uh, I, I love that. It's such a beautiful thing. And what's really cool about that, in my opinion, is that if you count the Sunday morning uh, decisions for Christ, not the ones that happen in outreach and things that are in the community and around, if you count Sunday morning decisions for Christ, that's, all, that's almost 25% of those decisions for Christ in-house uh, getting baptized. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yes. Yes. If that next slide is right, something as weird has happened with it. It's gotten moved, the image, I think. But anyway, there have been 65 physical healings in our church last year. There we go. Yeah. I love that because I'm always looking at what are the things that only God can get credit for. What are the things that you say, that preacher's not that good, that person's not that great, the church is, this has to show, this has to be evidence of God showing up. 65 people physically healed, 1.25 per week last year. Love, love, love that. In fact, of all of them, that's probably my personal favorite because that's always an emphasis of mine. What are the things that only God can get credit for? And physical healing is one of those things. Uh, there was a total of 71 deliverances through the ministry of our church last year. That number is way higher than it has been in the past. My wife has done an incredible job leading our prayer ministries this last year and, and seen them take significant jumps up. And out of that, there were 21 kind of normal deliverances in our church, and there were 50 in the, uh, uh, what's it called, the Release to Soar conference that goes on. And so there's 21. Normally in our church, and I'm just being honest, in a normal year, there's probably in between three and seven so this was a significant jump up. That is awesome. These are people that are being restored. It is, it is a beautiful thing. How about this? All of us Pentecostals in the room. There was a total of 137 people baptized in the Holy Spirit last year in our church. Come on, y'all. Come on. That's 2.6 per week. I love that through all the ministries of our church, not just Sunday morning, but the ministries of our church, 137 people baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, many of you have gone through Sozos and you know about that. Last year we performed 79 Sozos uh, in our church, yeah? That's awesome, not just for the number's sake, it's awesome because when somebody goes through a sozo, there's an inner healing that usually takes place. It's not something you can always put your finger on. It's not physical that you had cancer and now you don't. There's just something that's different inside of you. And uh, we've had 70 pe 79 people walk through sozos and, and, and experience inner wholeness this last year. I love that. Uh, we've had 63 people go through Healing House and experience different physical healings through that. But Healing House last year, 63 people went through that. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. 
All right, now let's make it more practical for most of us in this room. We've had 1,240 people sign up for a group last year. Yep. Group season is starting right now. So make sure if you have not signed up for a group right now, jump into a group. Uh, you'll hear a little bit more about that in a few moments of some changes going on. Uh, but that's an awesome thing. Uh, where's all my online people at? If you're watching online, make sure you share this. Give a heart. Give a like. Uh, just like everybody's hands should hurt here, your thumbs should hurt from hitting the like button during this message today. <laughs> but last year, we had over 333,000 views uh, through social media, YouTube, our online platforms. That's along with an estimated 132,000 engagements. What we mean by engagements is that they did something. They commented, they liked, they shared it. They did something with it because ultimately it's not about views. It's about engagement. It's kind of like if a thousand people showed up on Sunday morning, that would be awesome unless you never engaged in the service at all. And then it would be horrible, right? Um, so it's actually engagements is what matters more. And that is incredible. Uh, last year, through all of our legacy giving, you gave away, you gave away $194,858 last year through your legacy giving. Isn't that awesome? Almost $200,000. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's the most our church has ever given away in any given year. And I love it because it just keeps increasing and increasing and increasing. And you are literally supporting missions around the world, our, our orphanage in Nepal, uh, supporting different missionaries, as well as in our own backyard, supporting local missions and, and helping with different things and all of these different legacy projects that you are a part of. Uh, one of those that really touches my heart, and I think it touches many of your hearts, is that in our church alone last year, we gave away over $26,000 in benevolence giving last year. That, that's, that's single moms who are almost all of this, not all of it, but almost all of it is in our church. We are taking care of our own. And, and that's single moms that you're helping to keep them inside of a house and helping with a car payment or this and that, or people that have lost their jobs and helping them stay afloat. You have no idea the impact that you have through your benevolence giving. I was uh, uh, talking with a person not long ago. Um, I won't say this person's name, it's a guy, but I won't say his name. Uh, and he was working at a place and they were pushing back and they said, why do you give to the church? Why do you tithe to the church? Anybody ever had that person, right? Church is all about money. And he said, why do you give to the church? And he says, I give to the church because when I had nothing, the church paid my bills. <laughs> That's hard to come back from. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, we've had 16 different students this past year in ASOM, Arise School of Ministry, as we continue to raise up the next generation. It's been an incredible year. Also just want to celebrate Operation Proliferation is in full swing. Uh, and we, over the last five years, have sown and toiled inside of this community to give the church, not just our church, but the church a better name. We've been able to influence the influencers inside of our community. Uh, it's been a beautiful, wonderful success. Pastor Tina has knocked it out of the park. Uh, we uh, spent uh, a significant time with the Chamber of Commerce and working with their board. Uh, we actually led what's called the, uh, the Brandon Leadership, uh, what, what is it actually called? The Brandon Leadership, um, uh, da, 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 da. whatever it's called. Uh, Leadership Brandon, I'm just saying it backwards. That's why it didn't sound right in my head. Leadership Brandon, uh, where they've taken 12 future leaders and, and brought them along and taught them business principles and worked with them and, and, and really raising up the next generation of leaders within our community, but doing it because of the leader of it was one of our pastors, doing it from a Christian perspective with Christian uh, influence throughout it without it being overtly Christian. Um, and, and watching how we're investing in this community has been absolutely amazing. Uh, I spoke at multiple ones of those. Pastor Tina actually led it. Uh, so much that God has done. We continue to work with local things like Echo and, and Hope for Her and Miracles Outreach and the Angel Foundation, which is represented here. Uh, choices. Uh, we continue to be the pastoral care over Brandon Regional Hospital. Whenever somebody at the hospital wants a pastor to call in, they, or wants a pastor to come, they call out to us and we send somebody over to them. Uh, we have worked with local food pantries and, and the Gift of Hope tent and all kinds of things within this community. And I just want to say that Arise has reclaimed the identity in this community. And when people think about Arise Church as far as business leaders and community leaders, it's a positive thing they think of because we have invested in them. We have loved them and we have earned the right to influence the influencers in this community. And that's an amazing thing, church. Yeah. 
All right, so practically speaking, last year was so much fun. We had our first Black History Conference last year. Did anybody enjoy that? That was fun. Kind of tagged it with a series called Blackish. It was so much fun getting to tell different black history stories and celebrate black history. And people thought I was doing that because of the racial tension. What you might not realize is like, we planned that two years prior to that. Here's the truth. I just like black people. I didn't do it because it was a politically motivated thing. I did not know when I planned it that we would be in this political season. I just like black people. And so I thought this would be fun. We want to celebrate our black folks. And that, that was a, a lot of fun. Uh, we had our very first apologetics conference last year. I know that was a lot of fun too. That was, that was so good as we got to bring in some apologists, had a great lunch afterwards, a Q&A lunch. Uh, that was very well attended and people seemed to really love that. In fact, people have come to our church from the apologetics conference. That was never the intention, but it's cool to see. Uh, we were a part of, I don't want to take credit for this, but we were a significant part of helping Salvation City Church to launch last year. You helped launch a whole other body of Christ with Pastor Joel and Brittany Maylett. We took up offerings for them. We sent them on their way. We sent people over with them as they launched this past Easter. And I'm just so proud of them. Love to see what God is doing through them. And we've been able to walk with them through almost every step of the way in that process. And very proud of what God is doing through Joel and Brittany. But you are a part of that. And I think that's important for you to realize that while it's not our church, you were part of launching another church. And that's a beautiful thing. Uh, uh, I don't want to act like everything was just perfect last year because it wasn't. Well, I'm skipping ahead. Um, um, how about this? We had our very first Memorial Day picnic at High Five, uh, the old Brandon Swim and Tennis Club. That's awesome. Uh, so much fun uh, uh, to be at High Five and uh, do something a little bit different. Uh, we also were able to help many other local churches through difficult times. Uh, you will probably never fully understand the impact that Arise has on local churches, really in the state of Florida, but a lot of them in our, in our own region, our own area, both in the Assemblies of God and outside the Assemblies of God. I have had, uh, I would use the word privilege this year to walk churches through how to grow again, walk pastors who are in difficult seasons, uh, pastors who are walking through moments where the church wants to fire them, uh, pastors who are walking through moments uh, uh, where there's a, a, a moral failure. You have been a part of helping these pastors and right. walking through with them and, and, and being part of that journey. I don't want to be uh, I can't share everything. I can only tell you that you are making a significant impact on dozens of churches, right. not like one or two, dozens of churches in one way or another. But at the same time, I don't want to act like 2021 was perfect because there were ups and downs like any year. In fact, last year on January 12th, I think it was, I ended up with a heart attack and people kind of lost their minds over that. I was never actually all that worried, but I think everybody else was more worried than I was. I'm like, if I die, I go to heaven. Come on, y'all, like, come on. Like, <clears throat> but I had a heart attack last year and that was a big deal in our church. And in fact, you'll hear about this in a few moments, but the, the one year anniversary of that happens to be Wednesday. And I'm gonna be talking about that on Wednesday uh, this week a little bit. Uh, so I scared folks with that. Pastor Tina, you may not even realize, had something called ischemic colitis and literally almost died. A lot worse than me, actually. Uh, almost died in South Shore. Pastor Ken has been uh, uh, dealing with dysautonomia and his health that he presented with you, uh, I don't know, a month or two ago that you were preaching and, and shared that for the first time publicly. I can only say, tell you this, that the enemy is on a warpath for our leaders, specifically the executive team, the ones that make the biggest decisions in our church. And he is on a warpath for our health. So we cherish your prayers. But at the exact same time, while we look at that, the good news is this, that we are still here and we are still kicking and there ain't no devil going to keep us down. Right. We, we kind of jokingly said, the staff said, I'll never let this go. But I preached that Sunday morning having a heart attack. I just didn't know it. That's my claim to fame from now on. And there's nothing going to keep us down right. as long as we are still breathing, as long as we are still moving and God is still good. We are going to continue moving forward, y'all. Yeah. So it's been a year of ups and downs but I wanna share the highlights because here's the truth. We are a beautiful New Testament church. Yeah. Amen. I say this every year and I have said it every year because it's been true every year. What does a move of God look like? What would it look like if you had a modern day revival? 
Well, if you were to just look around, even in our nine o'clock service here, which is less attended than later services for obvious reasons, but if you look around here, you will see old people and young people, black people, white people, people from all over the world, literally all over the world that attend our church. Language is spoken from all over the world. People that dress different ways. There's some people that'll come dressed in a suit and tie. There's others of you that you look like you are going straight to the pool when you walk out of this room. And the beauty of it is that amidst this radical diversity, nobody cares because there is one unity around Jesus Christ and he is the only one that matters. It's not how much you dress. It's not how much money you make or how much you don't make. It's unity around Jesus Christ. And as far as I know, and I usually hear things, there's no gossip going on. There's no slander. There's no ugliness. There's no infighting going on inside of our church. And usually when we do hear about it, we deal with it really quick, which is why we don't have it. And so, so in the middle of this radical diversity that God has blessed us with, there's also tremendous unity around Jesus Christ. What does a move of God look like? Just look around, just look around. Some people are always looking for something out there. Just look around here. You do realize what we have at Arise is not normal. Right. <clears throat> Should be normal, but it's totally not normal. It's a group of people who love Jesus more than they love their opinions, That's more right. than they love their styles, more than they love their backgrounds. And I just love it. And love is in the house. Love is in the house. So what does the move of God look like? Just, just look around. I've said this every year because I think it's so important. Some people get lost in the good old days. We all know that, that guy, that girl that are still living in their high school years. Right. They're 50 years old, still wearing the Letterman jacket. Come on. <laughs> still talking about, I used to be able to kick a football over those mountains or throw a football over those mountains. Right. If I hadn't busted my knee, I would have been state champion. I'd be in the NFL right now. They're living back there somewhere. So many people live in the church world. So many people live back there somewhere. Right. The glory days, back when we had sawdust on the floor and we had tent revivals and God was moving and Sister Bertha would start the helicopter spin and we would do a Jericho march. And so many people are living back there somewhere. I am very thankful for what God has done back here, but I'm more excited about what God is going to do over here. Yeah. So we will always be a church that appreciates our history, but we are creating the future. We are expecting for more and greater in the future. Why? Because good is the enemy of great. And if we ever stop and settle in good, we'll never experience great. And I believe that while we might say that we had, you know, over 500 decisions for Christ and 72 people baptized and all these different numbers, why can't we have twice that many next year? I don't want to become the church that stops and settles and lives in what God has done. Right. I, I meet with pastors fairly consistently that when I, when I talk to them, they start telling me every story of what God did years ago. Yeah. Oh, you remind me of this back here and, and this and that. And they tell me all these stories of what God has done. And I appreciate those stories. But my question is always, but what is God doing? Yeah. Right. He is not just the God of yesterday. He's the God of today and tomorrow. And yesterday is just evidence of what God can do tomorrow and even beyond that. Are y'all with me? So we have to continue to press in to believe God for more. We can't settle. Listen, we are part of a, say it this way, our church has been referred to as a sustained revival over the years. I love that terminology. At the same time, when we talk about revival, there is more and greater things God wants to do than we've ever experienced. If we are a sustained revival, we are in a shallow end of it, which is appreciate we're in it, but let's keep going deeper. Let's keep pressing. Are you with me? Are you with me? I ask this question every year. I believe it's a powerful question. I believe it's a question that we have to ask ourselves because some of us are not willing to live in yesterday. So I ask this question, are you ready to move forward into 2022? There's something about this question that I believe demands an audible response. It's not a yes. It's it's not just a a clap. It's not just a, uh, it's not just like a head nod or if you're Indian, a sideways nod, whatever. It's actually demands an audible response because your mouth is a launching pad in the spirit realm. And there's something about unity to say, we appreciate the past, but we are going forward, baby. There are greater days ahead. You need to wear, you should wear shades because your future is so bright. Come on, y'all. Or something about that. And so let me ask you again and let me hear you audibly reply. Are you ready to move into 2022? There's some of you still not replying. Are you ready to move into 2022? All right, all right. 
Let's start talking about 2022 a little bit. Next year, some of the changes that you will see as God continues to work in our midst, uh, uh, you will see, especially here, this matters, uh, that we are no longer having first Wednesday service. Now, first of all, I apologize because we did not do a very good job leading into last first Wednesday, and there was some confusion around that. I'll own the responsibility of that. I apologize for that. But we are no longer having first Wednesday. We're not going back to what some will remember as midweek oasis. Some were not here that long, but uh, we're not going back to that. But every Wednesday night, there will be now youth in the sanctuary, a Bible study for adults. So parents and adults will have a Bible study. Uh, either Bible or a themed study of some sort uh, up in the upper room and there will be kids ministry going on. They're gonna be doing JBQ, you'll hear more about that, uh, but kids ministry going on. So it does, in some regards, does become a little bit more of a family time all over again. So we're opening that door. That starts this Wednesday, this Wednesday, okay? <laughs> and I don't know if we can hold everybody up there, if we could even try, but I know this Wednesday is the one year anniversary of my heart attack. And instead of doing a normal study like I had planned, I thought what a better, what, what better time to just have a real deep conversation about what that was like and maybe intertwine it with some things. And so, so we'll talk about that from my perspective this Wednesday. Uh, but but that's, a, that's a big change that's coming. We will be doing baptisms now uh, every uh, uh, four times a year, uh, every quarter of the year, I guess that would be, four times a year we'll be doing baptisms on Sunday morning now on Sunday morning now. Uh, three of those are strategically placed along with relaunches. One of those is coming up here in a few weeks. Uh, you'll hear more about that. And so that'll be interwoven with worship on a Sunday morning. That's gonna be, that's gonna be awesome. Another big thing that you should know about is uh, we believe, and in fact, people ask about our ministry philosophy sometimes. Our ministry philosophy is a lot like a surfer. A surfer who knows how to surf paddles out, gets into the waves, and then he sits on his board and he watches waves come, right? and he waits for the right wave. And then in order to catch that wave, he doesn't just get hit by it, he actually paddles into the wave or with the wave, and then he's able to jump on the board and surf. Come on, Floridians, y'all know anything about this? You've at least seen Hawaii Five-0 or something. Come on, y'all. So our ministry philosophy is also very similar to that. We, we tend to paddle out into deep water, and then we just wait and say, God, what are you doing? What's the wind of the Holy Spirit blowing? What are you doing? And instead of trying to create something and then asking God to bless it, we want to launch into what God's already doing. That's right. And so if you look around society today, one of the things that you will see, uh, too, really, is that, is that uh, 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 counseling is, is a big thing right now. For the first time in, in probably world history, in the Americas, um, there's all kinds of reasons for why that we don't need to get into. But in, in the United States of America, at least, teenagers, 14, 15, are going to counselors. It's actually been referred to as paid friendship a lot. That's really what it is. Uh, but we're going to counselors and it's almost in vogue. It's almost cool to go to counselors. Whereas I would have never admitted to going to a counselor if I did when I was a kid. That would have been like a sign of weakness. Now it's almost a sign of being cool to go to a counselor. Well, if we're gonna to go to counselors, where are the stinking Christian counselors at? So instead of complaining about it, let's catch this wave. Uh, and so we will be starting this next year a Christian counseling firm out of our church and Pastor Tina will be working on that. So that as people come and they need counseling, we can give them Christian counseling, not just secular counseling uh, that's out there. Another part of that, because it's not just counseling that's gonna go on, is also coaching. Uh, the second fastest growing uh, segment of the business world right now is coaching. Number one is IT, that's fairly obvious. Uh, information technology of different types, but second is actually coaching. Uh, so we'll be gonna be starting a coaching arm along with that, coaching people through life changes and things. Again, we want a Christian perspective. I'm thankful for secular coaches and the way they help, but we want a Christian influence on these areas. And then lastly, it's consulting. That's something we already do a lot of behind the scenes. I work with a lot of churches, as I've already mentioned. We do a lot of different business consulting behind the scenes. So in the next year, we're gonna be actually creating an actual uh, a ministry out of our church, a business ministry that works in consulting, coaching, and counseling in our church. And Pastor Tina will be doing that. So uh, you will see those things pop up here and there. And it's, it's a slow thing. You know, one of our core um, teachings here is start small, then tweak it all. It's kind of a leadership proverb in our church. So we'll start small and then continue tweaking it. Uh, but you will hear more about that. And Pastor Tina will be heading that up. Um, anybody excited about that? Okay. Uh, we do have an apologetics conference coming again this year, and Dr. Frank Turek will be with us. 
One of the leading apologists on planet Earth will be with us, Dr. Frank Turek. That's going to be awesome. Uh, you also hear about this. I believe we'll end up in a capital campaign at some point, a fundraising campaign uh, in this year, because we still have a wind center to build. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. If you don't know what the Wynn Center is, Bill and Barbara Wynn are our founding pastors, so we named it after them and have always kept that in the back of our minds. Uh, but it's essentially a gym. Uh, this would have offices and probably a gym to, together. It would be a whole youth center. When I say gym, it's not like a basketball gym, but a youth center uh, kind of thing that we need to get built. And so we would have to raise money for that. So everybody who's clapping, you just, you just said that you would donate towards right. it. <laughs> Uh, as well as South Shore needs to be able to buy property down there somewhere. Rise India still needs to get their location. So every one of our locations would be raising money for their part of, of, of that thing. And so, uh, so that's something that would happen next year as well. Uh, uh, by the way, the Arise Awards is back. If you serve in our church, you're invited to that. You should be getting an invitation for that. If you don't serve in our church, then you should. And you're not invited. That's <coughs> But it really is amazing and is going to be awesome. And our church is going to continue to grow in 2022. All right, so every year I, I pray and I ask God for kind of a theme. What is God saying to us individually this year? Something we can focus on throughout the year. And we've talked about different themes over and over and over for probably 12 years in our church that I've been your pastor. Every year I feel like God downloads something. And, and this year I think is profound and powerful. Are, are you ready? Yes. Where, where are we really going? What's the emphasis this year. Um, uh, from, from the earliest of, of time periods, I, I, Kristen, I don't know if y'all can see that screen. Something's all crazy with it. Um, I don't know if you can fix it or not, but from the earliest times, humans have worshiped stars. In fact, you could take it a slightly different way and start here. From the earliest times around the world, still to this day, people like to worship at high places where they can see the stars. So you can go to Buddhist temples and Hindu temples and Christian churches literally around the world and you will find that they tend to be on high places. On top of a mountain somewhere, you'll find the most sacred of priests and the most sacred of temples. That's true in every religion of the world. Uh, in fact, even in Christianity, you will find that if you go to the First Baptist or First Methodist, the first churches in the area, oftentimes, even in the United States, you'll find that they're on a hill somewhere. Not only are they on a hill, but they have a steeple. They become a lighthouse to the community, and they want to be on that hill. There's something about going to a high place <coughs> that makes us feel closer to God. You go to the mountains you feel closer to God. And there's something ab about that, that we create these monasteries, these, the, the, these, these uh, incredible cathedrals, and we put them in high places. Um, and as we do, we think that place is more special because God shows up there. Are you with me? Yeah. It's human nature. In fact, sometimes we will say things like, we're going out in God's country. If we go to the mountains, we feel like when you get on the mountain, there's something about it, like God is there closer than he is anywhere else. The problem with that is that it's simply not accurate because David would say in the Psalms several thousand years ago, he would say these words, where can I flee from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. But if I make my depths in, the, in my bed in the depths of the earth, then you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say surely darkness will hide me and light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you and night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. In other words, everywhere I go, I find God's presence. God is not on a mountain any more than he's in a valley. Yeah. Right. That's important for some of you to know because you're walking through valleys right now. But God is no more in the heavenly stars as he is in the very depths of the oceans. You can find God on the ocean floor 3,000 meters below sea level, below the ocean itself. You can find God's presence just as much there as you can on the top. But yet human nature says we need, to, we need to create these high and lofty places that are usually very ornate and special. And God shows up on these mountaintops. Not only does it happen that way, but throughout human history, inside of those monasteries, inside of those cathedrals, inside of those temples, what you've also had are priests. Priests. These, these people, they usually dress differently. They walk differently. They act differently. They talk differently. They usually have some kind of, kind of special gift to them. And they end up overseeing the temple on top of the mountain. And these priests, we love to exalt them out of normalcy. They're not like you and me. 
They don't, they don't put their pants on the way we put our pants on. These priests are special. They are God's ordained people. They are not like everybody else. And so we exalt them up and put them in that place. They oftentimes have special gifts. Maybe they're a particularly special speaker. We like to say they speak on God's behalf to us. <coughs> And again, you find this, it's, it's, it's engraved within the human nature, and you find this in every religion of the world. You find this throughout history of the religions of the world, that it's always been that way. In Exodus chapter 20, I love this verse for the connotation of what we're talking about. It says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpets and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak for us yourself and we will listen, but don't have God speak to us or we'll die. That's an image of what happens in every religion of the world, that we have this high and lofty place on a mountain with this high and lofty character, and we put them up there and say, all right, you are special, and you are in a special place, and you speak down to us. Humans do that. We love to worship stars. We create stars out of humans, and we love to worship them. In Psalm 19, it would say, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. We love the intricacies of the stars, whether it be Star Trek or Star Wars, and if I get those confused, somebody will throw something at me. <laughs> and so human nature is to create high, mysterious, and talented priests that we exalt into these mysterious and lofty places, and then we self-submit to them. If, if you don't understand that part of it, maybe you'll understand this, because Hollywood is another one of those places. It's another place that we go, oh, it's Hollywood. It's a special place. If you ever go there, it's really not. But it's a, it's a special place with special people and we exalt them and we lift them up and all of a sudden we care about what they say even though they have no more knowledge on a subject than you have. We care about how they vote or what they think about this subject or that subject. And with Hollywood, it's particularly funny because they're actors, they're pretenders. And they're so good at pretending that we're like, oh, teach us something. Just think about that. That might be the very bottom of education in society, but that's a whole other message. And so in pop culture, we rise these people up. We, we lift them up. We love to lift them up and exalt them and think they're untouchable. Freak out when we meet them. I saw Brad Pitt! Yeah. Ah! Right? Like there's something special. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, back to the connotation. We do the same thing with our religious leaders. Yeah. We do the same exact thing with our religious leaders, religions around the world. It's human nature. And we're a part of a society today. Stay with me because I'm just setting up a groundwork for where we're going. And we're a part of a society today that, 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 that loves to exalt the leader. And then we actually love to tear them back down and watch them fall. Cancel culture. Let me back up and say this. Leaders get their power from followers. Leaders have no power without followers. They get their power from you and I. That's how they're exalted. Therefore, you and I can take away their power at any one moment, cancel culture, and all of a sudden they come crashing down. And we live in a society today where we love to watch people crash down. It's being referred to as failure porn. Whether it be somebody falling on a skateboard, on YouTube videos, or whether it be a political figure falling down or, or a Hollywood star, we love to watch them crumble before our eyes. And we complain about them being exalted when the truth is we were the ones that have always exalted them. Their power comes from us. Without us, they would have no authority. Y'all with me so far? Yeah. <clears throat> this is natural. It's human nature. But the question that comes up is what if human nature is against New Testament design? Right. See, when I say something is ingrained in your nature, the notion of that makes us feel like or think, if it's in my nature, therefore it must be God's will. <laughs> everything that's in your nature is not God's will. That's right. We use this excuse for everything in the world. I was born that way. We use it for all kinds of things. I was raised that way. Just because it's in your nature, there are a lot of things in your nature that are not God's will. That's right. But because natural things feel natural, they often feel like they're God's will. <laughs> are you with me? Yeah. Aiden and I were listening to this or watching this video, and it was these hippies that got saved years ago, and, and they were talking about LSD. And they're like, God gave us LSD, man. It's natural. <laughs> 
Well, it's natural. It feels natural to take LSD. It might feel good to take it. I don't, I don't, I've never done LSD, but right? It, it is something natural about it. And we think because it's natural, therefore it's good. Everything that's good is not always God, by the way. And so the problem is that we exalt these stars. We create these stars and we lift them up. And what if that's not God's plan? Go to the Old Testament, you have stars. Biblical stars, heroes of the Old Testament. Abraham was a star. Moses was a big time star. David was a star. And it's not that David didn't have a council, but can you name any of them? It's not that Moses didn't form leadership structures because he did, but can you name four or five of them? Maybe Jethro, and that's only partially because he's got a fun name. <coughs> and so, so, so these stars arise and the followers follow them and they lift them up and they want them to be untouchable. That's why when David falls, it's such a big deal. Solomon is this star. Elijah is this star. Different prophets rise up and they're this star. However, when you get into the New Testament, you find an incredibly different paradigm shift. When you get into the New Testament, all of a sudden you find that instead of there being a star, there are stars with an S. Stars. Just say that with me. Stars. Good. You made me feel better about my bad pronunciation. There are multiple stars. So what are, you, what are you talking about? Have you ever noticed that Jesus is actually always trying to cause the attention off of himself? He was not trying to be Moses who receives all the glory and loves all the praise. And I don't mean that negatively against Moses. I'm just saying he wasn't trying to be the one that's the center of attention, even though he obviously is. He was always the one that's saying, hey, hey, you, you just found out I'm the Messiah. Don't tell anybody that. Keep that between you and I for now. He was always... And Jesus, instead of, instead of doing everything himself, which he could, dude was God, man. He actually decides to get these 12 followers and empower them and invest in them. And there wasn't just 12, there was the famous 12, but then there were 72. And then there's all those that were in the upper room years later. And in the New Testament, you see this radical different version because even on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes down, the, 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 the fire comes down on how many of them? On, on, on how many of them? All of them, 120, it wasn't Peter. If you listen to the Catholic church, Peter is the star. He's the head of the church. If you listen to the Catholic church, but if you read the Bible, all 120 end up with a fan of flame on their head. It wasn't one. And, and you see this model throughout the New Testament. In Acts 15, one of the most strategic and important moments in the Bible uh, outside of the resurrection is this, 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 what they call the Jerusalem council. Notice the language, Jerusalem council. They all come together to decide the future of the church in, in significant ways. They didn't say, Peter, what do you think? John, what do you think? You just tell us and we'll follow. No, they all came together because they all had the Holy Spirit. That's right. Are you with me? Yes. What happens though is nowadays we want to go back to an Old Testament model, which is totally human nature and exalt stars among us. Isolated human stars are destructive to the church. Yeah. They are absolutely destructive to the church. And so in the church world, what happens is we create celebrity pastors. You know, celebrity pastors. It's like, you know, the crowd goes, lights go down, church chants, one more verse, one more verse. <laughs> Dunk the pastor in Gatorade after the message. <laughs> the seats in my car aren't heated. So I send my intern to go sit in the seats for a little while to heat them up. You know, celebrity pastors. And we love to exalt these pastors, but there's a big problem with that. It doesn't work and it's destructive. The New Testament model is actually that every one of us are called. There is not a, a, a single calling. Every one of us are called. In the New, Testament, the New Testament policy is that we should be dying to ourselves and following Christ, right. not building our platform. Right. Uh, somebody sent me a podcast a while ago because they wanted me to hear this leadership podcast, they sent it. And I was dumbstruck at the first three minutes of it because when it started, they were talking to this pastor who had been in ministry for many, many years, has a great following, people know him. And the interviewer was this young kid. I say young, he's probably 30, but this young guy and his questions concerned me deeply. His questions started out with, how did you create your platform? 
How did you have your following? That you've had this following all these years. How were you able to keep your following? How did you create your platform? Platform is given by followers. It's received by the one they're following. Both of them are negative in the New Testament context. So, so as a leader, I love it when people praise me. I love it. it. I get real big headed really fast. I think I'm the best thing since sliced bread when everybody tells me how great I am. And the church people love it because they love to follow somebody like that. They want the, y'all with me? They want the pastor to be high and lifted up and doesn't sin, does everything right. He's not real. He's untouchable. It's human nature. It's why you see it in every religion of the world. And so we create a building called a church and we treat it like it's, a, like it's sacred when it's just a building because you are the church. Yep. And we exalt pastors. Don't believe me, how about this? I, I uh, multiple times over the last 12 years that I've been your pastor, probably four or five times, different people have said this to me in one way or another. Pastor, I don't actually want to get close to you because I don't want to know who you really are. In other words, I prefer you to be a perfect image on stage that has it all together, that you never go through hard times, that you never fuss with your wife, you never bicker, you never have financial problems, you never have, I want you to be somebody up here that's special. You you know those pastors because they walk through the room and everybody wants to touch the hem of their garment. Are y'all with me? This got too deep for some of you, didn't it? And they usually are at locations that we look at and go, oh, God's moving there, look at that place. And there are people that get high and lifted up and all of a sudden you just can't even touch the hem of their garment. There's one pastor I know, he had a a moral failure a few years ago, but even before that pastored a large church and he used to have an elevator that was behind the stage that he would get from the moment he said amen in a sermon, go to the elevator, go down in the elevator, get in the car and drive off. Now, again, I'm not trying to beat up people. Y'all know my spirit. I'm just saying followers empowered him to do that. It goes both ways and it's not a New Testament model whatsoever. Right. I've got one minute to preach the last 30 minutes of this message. <laughs> and so in our modern society, what happens is the church becomes a show. We got all the lights, we got all the stuff, and we got a really good actor on stage. See, when the church becomes a show, we look for a showman. We look for a star. We look for a Brad Pitt. We look for an Angelina Jolie. We look for somebody to high and lift up and go, oh, they know how to entertain us. And so if they entertain us, if they make us cry at the right spots and shout at the right spots, then we love it. But if they don't, then we'll find another place that does. Right. It's human nature. It's built inside of us, but it's not the New Testament way. And so even when we hire people, We ask questions like, can you preach? Can you lead? We never ask questions like, can you die to yourself and follow Christ? (coughs) If you don't believe me, just answer this. How come there's no ugly pastors who are famous? Let that sink in. See, Christian stars are ultimately destructive to the church because Jesus is the only star of the church. And when you look at a pastor or a leader, his job is to die to himself and exalt Jesus and point you towards him. (laughs) See, see, leaders that focus on natural ability and platform, those who desire fame, they end up creating and replicating followers who do the exact same thing. It's a significant problem we're having behind the scenes right now. Some of the church leaders in the room could tell you that that kids graduate from Bible college and they don't actually wanna do the work of ministry, they wanna be on the stage. How often do I get to preach? I wanna create my platform, I wanna create my following and we're part of an American system. It's always been this way in pop culture but the church has jumped right in it and just like you have a Hollywood celebrity, you have a church celebrity and everybody wants to be like them. Are you with me? Y'all seeing this? John the Baptist would say, he must become greater. I must become less. It's ultimately destructive to the church. So we are focused on creating a star when we should be focused on creating a galaxy. I'm gonna wrap up here in just a second, but I wanna say this as we get ready to close up. At Arise, we will create a galaxy by cultivating stars. Because this is what you have to understand. This is where we have to be. That you are a star in the kingdom of God. That's right. I am no more a star than you are. That's right. 
In fact, in the book of Revelation, the pastors would be referred to as stars. But you are a star. There is something that we've long since forgot called the priesthood of believers. If you go back to the, to the Reformation, there were three central tenets. There was, there was justification by faith alone. In other words, it's not by, not by works that you're saved, but faith alone. That was a big deal. We got that pretty good. There, there was the foundation of the Bible, that the Bible was the foundation for everything in word and life. We did pretty good with that, of making the Bible the foundation, not church history, no other thing, but the Bible alone. But the third part of it was the priesthood of believers. And what we have done is created a theology in our head that we're not living out with our lives. And so while most of us would say, yes, I'm a minister. Yes, I'm a priest. Most of us don't live that way because human nature says, no, I want to exalt a pastor as my priest. When the only priest in the New Testament is Jesus, once and for all, he is the high priest that you go to. Not me. Now, if you're coming to me, you are going to be let down. I'm sorry, am I busting everybody's bubble? We're going somewhere. We're, we're almost done. We're going somewhere. See, it's time to reestablish the priesthood of the believers. What am I talking about? Listen to me. You are just as much a pastor as I am. Some of you are called to be evangelists. Some of you are called to be prophets. Some of you are called to be teachers. And until you rise up and shine, then we are without light. Right. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Right. Not the pastors. You, every one of you have your own flame of fire over your head. You are the light of the world. So therefore, you are a star in God's galaxy. So, so what am I trying to say? This is, this is our goal. We, we want to be soil that allows others to shine. Right. <coughs> Adel Rise, you've heard me say this in many ways over the years, but it's so key. You are just as called as I am. Therefore, this is my goal. This is what I want. I want people to say, those people at Arise are amazing. Not that pastor at Arise is amazing. I'm going to say this again because you're going to get it. When the community looks at our church, our reputation, I want people to say, those folks that arise, these guys, those, you guys are amazing. I don't want them to say that pastor is amazing because I can be one star, but you can be a thousand. That's right. And when you light up, you become a galaxy. This invisible force attracts stars together called gravity, attracts them together to make something beautiful called a galaxy where you have constellations that point the way. That, that lead people, that guide people, that speak to people in the night. You become a galaxy for Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, this invisible, this invisible Godhead that brings us together and creates something beautiful inside of us. And in 2022, I want you to shine. I want you to become the minister God is calling you to be. I want you to recognize that you are a priest in God's kingdom. I want you to recognize that you are a minister. I want to reawaken the wonder inside of you that you are a teacher, an evangelist, a prophet. You are the one God's going to use. I legitimately want my ceiling to be your floor. And I know this is against some of your human nature. Some of us in this room is like, I don't even know how to handle this. I don't know how to handle this teaching because it's in your nature to want to exalt me. But I'm telling you, we are lowering the platform and raising the floor all the time in our church. That's why I'm always out there talking with people. That's why I share all my junk from this stage because I want you to realize I am not some untouchable priest. I am just a minister called to lead this church. You are a minister called to lead your family, called to lead your workplace, called to manage and steward your job, to be the entrepreneur for God. You are the minister. And watch this. Many of us have been praying for revival for so long. God, send revival. Send revival. I've been saying this for so many years. I get sick of saying it, but I feel like people still need to keep hearing it. Revival will not happen in the church. It will not happen through one man. If you're waiting for T.D. Jakes or Bill Johnson or whoever, these are great men of God to bring revival, you're missing it. That's right. When the body of Christ actually comes together and forms because we realize that we are ministers, each and every one of us, revival has to take place. Why? Because we're not looking at a star. We're looking at a galaxy, a galaxy. 
And if we could see things, if we could see things the way that God sees things, I'm convinced if we could look with spiritual eyes, because you are the light of the world. As he looks down from heaven, and I know I just said looks down, he's everywhere, but you get the idea. As he looks at us from the heavenly realm, I believe that he would see stars and stars and stars and stars and stars. And you know what you call it when you have a lot of stars being pulled together by an invisible force. You call it a galaxy. God wants to create a galaxy out of you. God wants to create a galaxy out of you. He wants to create a galaxy. So what are we gonna be this year? My job is to cultivate stars to cultivate you, to cultivate us into being the galaxy that God wants. Church is not a show. It's not where we come in and applaud the pastor and, and, and say what, what, clap when we like what he says. And church is not a show. Church is a huddle to send workers out into the field, to send stars out into the field. And this is the foundation we must fight for if we're ever going to see revival is that people would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, not the pastor, not the church leader. It's against everything inside of our DNA. It feels so natural to exalt the leader, to go to that heavenly place until you find the New Testament and find out that every one of you are a priest and a king in the New Testament. Every one of you have the call of God on your life. And it's time to rise up, church. Rise up. Come on, stand up with me if you would. So I ask one last time, With all that being said, are you ready to move into 2022? Are you ready to step into your uncomfortable calling? Are you ready to be the minister, the mouthpiece for God inside of your workplace? Are you ready to be salt and light everywhere you go? Because revival will come through you, not the building, not me. You rise up and be what God has called us to be. We're gonna go into a time of worship as I have to run down to South Shore, but lift your hands to the Lord if you believe it. Father, I pray around this room, God, that your fresh anointing, a fresh impact would rise on each and every one of us. God, that we would step into everything you're calling us to be and do. God, that we would reclaim and reawaken the wonder of our calling. God, that prophets would arise, evangelists would arise, intercessors would arise, preachers would arise, teachers would arise. God, that across this room, we would become the ministers that you're calling us to be. And we would not delegate that authority to somebody else, but we would walk in it in Jesus' precious name. Come on, let's worship together for a little while. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time.